what I really want to ask you about is how it feels for 25 years to have passed since Pancho and Lefty first wrote out. Yeah, I suppose time is a funny thing, you know. Um, it's only when I sort of came across the earlier one, right, that I realised there's a whole different mind shift and change and that kind of thing. I think that for me was that sense of time because I realised that that was a post uh, computerized world and you know now that's just so standard whereas back then things were a lot more sort of I suppose physical and um, cause and effect was a lot more obvious you know and um, and I think that's where time measurement comes in for me is that big change the leap forward that's the feeling really that that something has changed dramatically and I think that's what's interesting about the time that we live in that we live in a time where I think we've seen an awful lot of change. You wrote a beautiful introduction to the new... Oh, are you calling it the digitally remastered edition? Is that what it says on the cover? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, <laughs> but it's hardly... Yeah. Um, the introduction was... The title I put on it was The Accidental Author. And I suppose what it does really... What it did for me is when I did think back on the 25 years, right? Or the 26, 27 years now, I think. I sort of realised that... Um, this whole thing happened in a funny way by default that me writing and for the want of a better word becoming a writer and it's it always was a sort of a, a term or a sort of um that I was very reticent to put on myself because I always thought you know that was you know particularly going to school writers were very special people and you know they they were so I didn't ever see myself in that bracket and and then I sort of I suppose processed in my own head how did I actually get this point back to that time and that's that accidental author goes back to when I opened the laundrette and, you know, the, the height or the depths of recession in the 80s and that realisation that back then we thought that would never end. And, I yeah, so I think that's what that opening piece is about. And I sort of enjoyed it because it was a trip down memory lane for me. And, and you know, the funny thing is, even though I'm talking about trauma, there were good days, you know. I mean, you enjoy your life, you know. So it isn't as if it's a case of woe and pain and woe is me and here we are now and isn't it great? I just want to take you back to that notion of the accidental author, though, because the way you describe it in that beautiful uh, introduction, it's almost like it arrived out of nowhere to you. Like, you know, when you were little or when you were in school, like, did you always secretly want to write or did you always keep great diaries or, you know, it can't have just sprung from nothing at all. Not really. Like, you know, I lived next door in a shop and um, it was a busy house. Like there were, you know, 12 children, my mother, my father, a few aunts, a lot of stuff going on. And there really wasn't a world where you could go and sit down and read. It wasn't that kind of, it was a really busy house. The house was, the shop was open from maybe six in the morning to maybe midnight or one in the morning. So the front of the house was just open to the street, basically. And um, it certainly wouldn't have been a place where you would be sitting around reading books. Um, <laughs> but what it really was, was a place where there was, um, and I don't mean Shanaki type, but storytelling where people were talking all the time, right? And particularly at the shop counter, because that's the way shops sort of were when I was a kid. People just stand at the shop talking. And um, uh, my father was a great man for talking, but not only that, but people who would come in were good talkers too. And maybe subliminally I started to realise at an early age that if you could that people who for example would go downtown to get a tea or a key cut and arrive in to buy a bottle of milk and in that process like tell this epic story of what happened when they got their key cut and it's nothing really about something they saw on the river or 
a car crash or you know some for a lap falling over on his foot and you realize that this person um, would hold the audience as long as they could tell a story maybe I often think that maybe that's where my thing sort of really comes from right that that sort of sense of putting stuff into an, a narrative format you know just when I'm talking even so um, with the writing the laundrette that was just I was sitting there and I think I had just come back from Canada and I was looking out the street and like the first story was about the, the child that was knocked down by a bus and that was, you know, so that was more autobiographical really, right? And like, like I remember that story well. I remember that time well, in fact, you know, I remember when he died and, you know, that whole thing was really autobiographical. That story reads particularly well at the moment because we have all of these a lot of awareness of, you know, cycling activists and pedestrians and people trying to kind of get the streets back from cars. I was kind of blown away when I reread that. I think it's very, very modern or something, you know. Personally, I actually find it really sad. Every And I read it, you know, I've read it a few times recently. And, I, and when you find your own stuff sad, that's weird. Like, that's like laughing at your own jokes. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So I just thought of a great joke there. Sorry, I didn't have a laugh. You know, so... Uh, similarly, uh, finding your own stuff really tragically sad, having read it a few times, you know, that's bizarre. But I, there's something about and maybe it's because I, I remember the person and the people involved, right? And I remember actually sometime after, which wasn't, you know, maybe too long ago, like it could be maybe 15 years ago or so, I got into a cab uh, and who was driving, but his brother, the guy who was in school with me. And I was thinking straight away, oh, God. I hope that, you know, like, because now I realise that, see, when you're writing downstairs, it's for nobody. It's just myself, right? And then when it was published, there was a real sense of, um, God, this is, all, these are other people's memories too, right? And and now it would have been, you know, obviously not their names and stuff. And I was saying, they probably, he probably never read it anyway. And then he just said to me, um, I read the story. And I said, I said, I said uh, was it all right? And he, he said that his mother had it up and the mantelpiece, the book up next to the mantelpiece oh, of wow. the photograph of the brother. And I, so I, I thought, you know, that's okay. That's a good sort of endorsement. And, you know, it wasn't sensationalist. It was actually just saying it as it was, you know. It was a, a sad story. And, yeah, it, and in fact, that story, interesting, would have been, it's a story that won a lot of prizes back then, right? And um, I think that would have sort of encouraged me to maybe go down a different road as in to write from the point of view of writing stories for people rather than just for myself, you know. But did you have to reread the entire book, you know, when you were reassembling it for this for this new edition? Did you reread the entire thing? Yeah, I read them and um few of them certainly I would have seen myself in them, a lot of myself, and I thought that was interesting because uh, I hadn't realised it's only in retrospect I realised in a funny minute it's not important stuff, but for me I thought, my God, that's very autobiographical really and that wouldn't be I suppose it wouldn't be necessarily where I'd be at the moment you know and I found that interesting you know but then the other ones the second half of it were are more like just um, stories from that time as well because it is sort of a snapshot of 80s and 90s um, and obviously this is not really a retrospective I mean you're still here and you're still alive and kicking you still have amazing things to do I mean like Begotten yeah. Not Made was an absolutely fantastic novel you know which is a totally different thing it must even though it isn't fully a kind of a retrospective it must put you in a 
in a frame of mind for revisiting things. Is that fair to say? It certainly uh, did sort of that whole thing, because like, even the accident, that whole thing, I remember in the 80s, even though I had a laundrette, but it broke, like, because interest rates were at 20%. It was just impossible, really. You couldn't, right? It was like, it was like swimming against the tsunami, everything, right? And, you know, it was just so financially, and even before the laundrette, like, just hanging around the road, not a penny, like, it was ridiculous, really. But when you're talking about revisiting the past, it just reminded me of my little world at that time and that sense of um, cyber to knock in there, that's just... Um, you're having some renovations done. Sure that's okay. We're, we're <laughs> down the house of building it up. But, um, yeah, to, it, 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 it sort of definitely cast me back there. And, see, I didn't have the book because, you, know, you know, I'm not great for holding on to things. And I put out a thing on Facebook about maybe three years ago just saying, saying we had one. And a few people said, I have one, I have one. And they turned up with them. And so I suppose the, the, what really made the first thing amazed me is how small it was. It's like, read the, the, the original one is really small. Like, it's, I think it's about 90 pages or something. And... Um, I'm amazed that it was published because I don't like these days it wouldn't be published, I'd say, because a lot of it was just sort of they were unfinished stories. They were just little glimpses of things and and the fact that it was published without actually sort of touting it, without going around and saying, Would you publish this? It was like just um you know, this guy Sean Dunn, who was the editor and the uh, examiner, just met him and I didn't know him, like you know, I'd be sort of in awe of those people, really. And I met him. And well, everyone was in awe of Sean. He was a fantastic yeah. poet in his own right. Absolutely. He was, you know, huge and retrospectively. And I've gotten to know, I had gotten to know him, but I met him in Academy Street. And he was saying, oh, you're the guy who's doing that stuff. And he said, would you ever think of getting them published? And I was saying, how would you go about that? And he just said, go around to Con Collins. And he had a shop in Kerry's Lane. And, you know, just tell him, do I send you down and bring in your, your stuff? And it wouldn't happen in a million years that way, right? And also, I suppose, publishing a book like that by Collins, um, you know, it would it, it intentionally would have been a last leader, right? There was no way we were going to make money out of that, you know, um, for him as a publisher, right? So but he did it because they saw the promise in it or they thought yeah, that it was worth doing. As, you know, we were saying earlier about uh, sometimes projects, it's not a really about, it's about the project rather than, you know, the end product often, right? It's about, yeah, we'll do this, you know, and, you know, call this, you know, like a last leader is okay. Has it made you revise what you think about the kind of position of short stories? Because, you know, I mean, obviously short stories, a little bit like short films, you know, they're a a good way of practicing. There's a good, they're a good way of kind of, you know, developing your style and, and all of those types of things. And then, Similarly to feature films, you've moved through to novels, obviously radio and all of those things as well. But like, has the position of the short story and the Irish short story evolved in those 25 years? I think the short story is particularly difficult. And and I'll tell you exactly why, right? Because I think the kernel of the idea that's required to write a short story is the same kernel of an idea that's required to write a novel. So if you're going to write 20 short stories, it's 20 kernels or 20 ideas. You can write a short story and you have your 10 pages or whatever. Obviously, the temptation is to get it published, maybe and in an Irish sense. That would be um, either in a newspaper or a magazine or maybe some anthology that might come out at Christmas time. But the funny thing is, once you do that, your short story is redundant because... You can't get it published a second time, really, because it's been published already, right? And you can't enter competitions. So the short story is a very difficult 
it's a huge commitment. Like I think people often think that it's sort of the poor relation or the sort of um, the uh, the easier option, but it actually isn't. It takes it, it's as difficult as the, the the long form, except it's as difficult maybe twelve times to get a collection together, twenty times, right? And I think what happens to me is if I was to take on a short story or if I did take on a short story, it would develop probably into a novel if I wasn't careful. I have one last question for you and and you're not going to like it because you're um, normally far too modest. But looking back on Pancho and Lefty and it being 25 years later, are you proud of it? Well, you know, truthfully, proud wouldn't be the word, right? But, you know, I'm just, it's, you know, it's out there, you know, it's not going, like, I suppose the funny thing is that it's not that important, really, as much as most things, I think, politics, art, all those things, I don't think they're really important. I think they're just sort of things to give us as a species that space to talk about things, right? Because I think we need to talk an awful lot because when we stop talking, we realise we're all going to die. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Seriously, I think as a species, we're the only species in the world that have a consciousness that are aware of the fact we're all going to die. Nobody else, nothing else in this planet is aware they're going to die, right? And from the morning, from the second we're born, we're, we're actually annuals, right? We're not perennials, right? So there's, you know, one spring, one summer, one winter, one fall, we're all going to die, right? And we all know this. And I think everything else, including this, you know, the clenched fist banging on tabletops about this and that and the other and big sort of, you know, judgmental things on art. And, um, you know, I think that's all just gives us the space to create the white noise of socialising, you know. But also the fact that we understand that we're all going to die. The other thing that we have as a species that's sort of, I think is probably unique, is that we have that capability to entertain each other. And I think that's what this little book is, that it's about entertaining people, really. It's just a thing, you know, and it's another thing to talk about or a thing to like or dislike. And personally, I, I suppose I, I'm happy with it, you know, I'm very happy with it, actually. Right? But um, And I really enjoyed the journey. And that's the funny thing with my stuff. I drift back towards doing my own stuff all the time because of that very reason that I actually enjoy what I do. And uh, I like that whole process. And... So, yeah, I mean, I'm very proud of it because it was a great process, you know. It's like, you know, out fishing, you don't necessarily have to catch a fish to have a great day, you know. You just have to be out doing it. And so if that's what encompasses the whole nature of being proud of something, 100%. This little podcast has been a Tripe and Rasheen production for our new Arts and Culture tab, which is out every Saturday morning. Tripe and Rasheen is an independent local newsletter for Cork City and County. If you like what you hear on this and if you want to support our work, you can subscribe for just eight euros per month. You can also sign up free and you can help us spread the word by using our social media, which is at Tidrasheen on Twitter, Tripe and Rasheen on Facebook and Tripe and Rasheen on Instagram. (laughs) 